Hello, hello. It is Wednesday and we have another awesome podcast for you with the VBAC link. This is Megan and Julie and we have our friend Rebecca on today and she is going to tell you about her birth story and we're so excited. We were just chatting a little bit before the episode began and she was kind of talking about some things that she was doing all throughout her pregnancy. You guys, at the very end of her pregnancy, she has a picture of her doing a toe touch on the trampoline because she's a tumbling teacher. So she at exercised. 41 weeks pregnant. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> we, actually, we should get that picture, Rebecca, and put it on our stories today. Yeah. Will you please send it to us? <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, oh, that'd be awesome. So yeah, so she exercised um, during pregnancy to encourage, you know, good fetal positioning. She used three sisters, which I love three mm-hmm. sisters. Um, use meditation and all of those things. So we're so excited to hear um, hear her story and her journey. And then, of course, we have a review of the week before we do jump into that. Of course, we have a review of the week. Before we get started <laughs> on the review of the week, I really am so excited to hear Becca's story today because she actually lives in a tiny little town that my mom lives in down in South Central-ish Utah. And we have a really fun story when she was pregnant, when I went down to visit. And I don't know, I think I'll just let her tell that part of the story, but it's super fun. And she knows my mom, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I'm just really excited for this story. It's just one of those things that just make you smile. And every time I remember about Becca and her cute husband, I just, I smile. makes me happy. So our review this week is from MKTW12 on Apple Podcasts, and the title is Eye Opening. And she says, from Perth, Western Australia, which P.S., I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but Australia is like my dream vacation. Like some, we need to go teach a class in Australia or something because I need a business expense. That would be amazing. We should. (laughs) One day we should go. Anyways, from Perth, Western Australia. Hello, Julie and Megan. Just want to say massive thank you for creating this amazing podcast. My sister-in-law, Lauren, who has had an emergency cesarean like myself, is trying for a VBAC next year, but since has introduced me to this podcast, as I have had two cesareans and have, that have completely traumatized me. In a couple of years, my partner and I will be trying for our third child, and I'll be doing my all to make sure I have a VBAC. I have never felt more educated and inspired since listening to all these amazing, powerful women and them sharing beautiful and some very sad birth stories. Thank you, thank you once again, and I can't wait to share my story one day. Love, Melina. And we need somebody from Australia on the podcast. We have to. I mean, we just, it has to happen. Someday, all you Australians out there, email me, info (laughs) at thevbacklink.com. We want to talk to you, and we want to connect with you, and even more so, we are so grateful for these reviews. When you take time out of your day to message us on social media or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Google or even on Facebook, it warms our hearts. It makes us so happy. And it's just one of those things that keeps a smile on our face and really keeps us going when we're working with the podcast. Right, Megan? Are you smiling right now? (laughs) Yes. No, I love the reviews so much. 
You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Do you want a VBAC but don't know where to start? It's easy to feel like we need to figure it all out on our own. That's what we used to do, and it was the loneliest, most ineffective thing we have ever done. That's why Megan and I created our signature course, How to VBAC, the ultimate preparation course for parents that you can find at the VBAClink.com. It is the most comprehensive VBAC preparation course in the world, perfectly packaged in an online self-paced video course. Together, Megan and I have helped over 800 parents get the birth that they wanted, and we are ready to help you too. Head on over to the VBAClink.com to find out more and sign up today. That's the vbacklink.com. See you there. All right. Well, we can't wait to get into your story. I'm going to turn the time over to you to share your awesome story and inspire all of those out there listening. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. My husband met Julie at his work because that's where his, uh, where Julie's mom works. (laughs) And I was like, so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, you met Julie Frankham. That is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to share uh, the selfie that they took on the VBAC Leak community because I was like, look at me. (laughs) (laughs) It was so fun. (laughs) So anyways, um, I'll start with my first pregnancy. So it was a really healthy pregnancy. I was really active. Really the only thing is I didn't know about birth, like not birth positions, sorry, pregnancy positions. So I like accidentally slept on my back a lot. I like lounged, like leaning back a lot. So everything other than that pretty much went good. I did gain a ton of weight. I gained over 80 pounds. So they were like, stop eating carbs like you're done (laughs) (laughs) so other than that at 39 weeks the nurse to my midwife was like oh you're 39 weeks you can get a membrane suite and I was like oh what's that and she's like oh it's this really cool thing that you can do to make labor start and I was like that sounds great so I talked to my midwife about that and her and my husband looked at me and they're like, are you crazy? Like you want like a natural birth. You want to be like naturally minded and you're asking about a membrane sweep. Like you do not want that. So I was like, okay. And we continued on until almost 41 weeks. It was a couple of days before 41 weeks where they were like, okay, well, now you're starting to go a lot overdue and this is when risks um like increase like your placenta giving out and meconium oh the placenta dying oh that like that's my soapbox (laughs) at the moment like oh oh my goodness (laughs) 
So they were like, so now I think you should do the membrane sweep. And I was like, um, no, you guys told me that that wasn't a good thing to do. So I don't want that now. And I think that I can just go into labor on my own. I just need a little more time. So I signed the waiver and um, they had me do, I can't remember exactly what they're called. Are they called NSTs? Yeah, is that non-stress like, test. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, they had me do those every day that I went past 41 weeks. So I had just one of those. And then I think it was that day or the next day I agreed to a membrane sweep. And the next day we woke up and went to breakfast and we took a nap before we were going to go to the, our next um, NST and I felt my water broke. So I got up, went to the bathroom, leaked water all over the house and went and told my husband that my water broke. And he was like, no, I think you just peed. And I'm like, well, if I just peed, it's all over the house. So, <laughs> so the hospital class that we took, they told us that if your water breaks, it's not an emergency, but you do need to start making your way to the hospital. And we had the, the ultrasound to go to anyways. So we showered and got ready and went over there. And they admitted us and they checked me and I was four centimeters and I was not having any contractions that I could feel. They said that um, I was having contractions that they could see on the monitor. I just wasn't feeling them. So we walked around the hospital, did um, curb walking, and I sent my husband to go get me something to eat. And that's when my contractions started, and they were really intense. So I had no early labor at all. I just went right into active labor. And I kind of had a moment where, like, I wanted to start crying, and I had to just get strong. I told myself, you're never going to have a unmedicated birth if you lose it like right now so my husband came back I told him that I really wanted my midwife there so he went to talk to the nurse I just um got into the bath was this in um, Richfield mm-hmm. who is your midwife so I don't know if I want to tell who my midwife was just because I okay we'll talk at the end Okay, I have good things to say, but I also have maybe just a okay. couple things that aren't very good. Okay, okay, I need to know. So we'll have to chat at the end. Okay, go on. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so I just get like shivers really, really bad when I'm in labor. So I had to spend a lot of time like in and out of the shower. My husband was a lifesaver. He did counter pressure like almost the whole like 16 hours. He was just doing counter pressure. My midwife's assistant kind of acted as a doula, and she was awesome. Um, my favorite part of laboring was my first pregnancy. We went to go, like, walk in the hallway, and my midwife, like, before I came out, she told me, she, she said, these other women can see you now. They're, they're in labor, too, and you need to be a good example of how like a laboring woman is supposed to act. Oh you know? my gosh. <laughs> and what I actually, pleasure. holy cow. I, I actually loved it. Like I'm kind oh. of like a, I, I guess more like, kind of like a competitive person almost like, uh-huh. 
And so I, I loved it. Like I just felt like so empowered and so strong right then at that moment. Oh, that's awesome. And so let's see, I had meconium in the water and that was, it was just coming out with every contraction and it started to get like really thick and dark. And I also kind of stalled at an eight. So I didn't realize how long it was, but my husband told me later that it had been like four or more hours that I was at an eight. And they said that the baby was starting to be kind of distressed. So they told me that I, could, I would have one hour to progress. And if I didn't progress, that I would have to have a C-section. So at that point, I just kind of gave up. I had like worked so hard that I couldn't like imagine working that hard for a whole nother hour just to have the C-section. So they checked me again and I was still at an eight. They even said that when I was contracting, I was going down to a six. So we went back to the C-section. I saw my mom in the hallway and that was like the first time I let myself cry. I held her hand when they were doing the epidural or not the epidural, the uh, spinal tap. Um, I was having a contraction and I just like buried my face into my midwife's chest and just held on to her for dear life. So the midwife assistant just stayed by my side and explained the whole process to me. And when he was born, they brought him to me and I just like, everybody was kind of looking at me like waiting for my big response, I guess. And I just felt like, I almost felt kind of irritated or anxious that they weren't making sure he was okay because they told me that like his life was in danger. So I was like, why do we have this kind of time if his life is in danger? Right. So they took him and he was having trouble breathing. So they told us that they were going to have to life flight him. So they told my husband that he can either he could either stay with me or go with my son to be life flighted up north. And so my uh, husband looked at me, and I told him, you know, just go with him. And it was so funny because before that, I just needed my husband so much. But then right then, I just needed him to be with our son. So they took him away to kind of work on him and took uh, Billy, my husband, to um, get prepped to be life flighted. And they um, were just fighting to get an IV into my son. They poked him all over the place. He just had little pokes all over his body. And they actually had a doctor come in to sew an IV into his belly button, into his uh, umbilical cord. Yeah. I've never heard of that. I have. Yeah. Into his belly button. Yeah, they get it in the vein, like the umbilical veins. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah, so they did several breathing treatments on him, and they did a video chat with the doctors up north, and they decided that he did not have to be life-flighted up north. So that was really good. We were really happy about that. So it started to be like over 10 hours, and I still had not seen him. So I was like, you know, I kept asking the nurses, I was like, when are you going to bring him to me? You know, when are you going to bring him to me? And they just kept telling me soon. But my husband could just walk down and go see him. 
So I was like, well, what do I have to do to be able to walk down there and see him? And they said, well, people usually aren't ready to get up, but um, I guess if your legs aren't numb and if you can go to the bathroom, you can walk down to him. I so mean, can they put you in a wheelchair or what? Like <laughs> They didn't even, yeah, they didn't even suggest that. So I walked uh, down to see him and they were doing a breathing treatment on him. So the nurse that was doing that was kind of like irritated that I was there and I started bleeding all over the floor. So they had to put me in a wheelchair and take me back to my room. So finally, a couple hours after that, they brought him to me and he had like an oxygen monitor hooked up to him that we had to watch really closely. And we started to try to breastfeed, which we struggled with really bad. And the nurses started to suggest formula, which I was like, no, I really do not want to do formula. I was like really stubborn on that because nothing went my way. I was like, I'm breastfeeding this baby. (laughs) So they sent in this nurse who was totally rude but I loved her she came in and she grabbed my boob which was like hurt she was so aggressive grabbed my baby's head (laughs) and got him to latch and so even though she was just so rude I loved her because I don't know if we would have ended up breastfeeding if it wasn't for her Mm -hmm. did it feel aggressive like were you like whoa like I like cringe at how hard oh. she grabbed my boob oh. yeah yeah <laughs> but good so, I'm glad it worked out though yeah so I found out later that his chin wasn't tucked and you know they said that if they had found out early in labor that they could have done something but because it went on so long that there was just nothing that they could do so he was nine pounds four ounces and 21 inches long So he's kind of a big baby and we just struggled postpartum really bad. I just, they sent me home a day early. They said that I wasn't really getting any help from the nurses and I kind of reluctantly agreed to go home, but that ended up being kind of a mistake because I didn't feel like I got the rest that I needed. And I was just like ended up falling asleep a lot in unsafe places with him and stuff because I was told that if I fell asleep like in bed with my baby, if I bed shared, that I would kill him. Oh. And so I was terrified of doing that. But then I ended up being in way unsafer places. So I finally found out about safe bed sharing. And when I did that, everything changed. I went from like being just depressed and anxious and tired to everything perfect. So around 18 months postpartum, well, I guess when my son was 18 months old, I got pregnant with my second and with our first appointment with our local midwives, we found out that no hospital around our area would do a VBAC for an unproven pelvis. So if you have not had a vaginal birth, they would not do a VBAC. So they told us that was fine, that we could still do a VBAC, but we'd have to go either north or south. They told me that around 37 weeks, I would have to go stay there and just live there until I went into labor. What? 
Yeah. So that's kind of just like what we planned on doing. We didn't even look for a provider until I was like 35 weeks pregnant. Like I really like put it off. So yeah, every appointment that I had with my uh, midwives, they just kept telling me that like I had a platyploid pelvis shape Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that my hips were, my pelvis was just really small and that I can try a V-back, but they, they just don't, didn't know if it would happen because my pelvis is so small and the one midwife kept telling me that her daughter decided to go with the repeat C-section and she loved it and just different things uh. like that. Yeah. So first we called a doctor, a midwife in St. George and her receptionist was like, oh, you know, midwives don't do V-backs. So you can't go to a midwife. You have to go to what? A yeah. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay. Like I knew that she was wrong because at this point I had been on the VBAC link. I've been listening to your guys' podcast and on the community. So I knew she was wrong. Like I've heard of a lot of midwives delivering VBACs. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, eh, okay. But so then I called the American Fork Valley midwives and they're like, oh yeah, you know, let's make an appointment. So um, my first appointment with them went awesome. You know, she, I was like almost expecting for them to want to do like a pelvis exam and all that. And they didn't, they just talked to me. She, I talked to her about how my midwife had wanted me to go stay up there at 37 weeks. And she was like, oh yeah, that sounds good. So I just figured that that's kind of what I had to do. So I talked, I went onto the VBAC link community and I asked other women if they had traveled far for their VBACs. And it's about two hours for me to go to American Fork. And a lot of the women were like, oh yeah, we've gone three hours. We've gone four hours. You know, we just went when we were in early labor and just labored at like the park or something and it was fine. So my next appointment, I told them, I said, I really think that it's unrealistic for me to be away from my husband for that long. So I think that I want to just come in early labor. And so that midwife was like, yeah, that sounds great. I don't see any problem why you can't do that. And she talked to the other midwives and they all agreed that that would be just fine. So my next appointment with them, and I really only did like three or four appointments with them. I was supposed to meet, well, I met with the OB and I was super nervous to meet with the OB because I had heard a lot of like horror stories of the OB just being (laughs) awful. And I really expected him to want to do like a pelvis exam. And I was like, I am keeping my pants on during this appointment. There's no way. And I was just like terrified, but he was awesome. He came in there and he was like, you know, the uterine rupture is like uh, less than 1% to a 1.4%. You look like a good candidate. We're really excited to have you. He said, hopefully you never see me because if you see me, that's bad news. He said, but other than that, you're awesome. Just try not to gain a lot of weight, which I had already been that's working awesome. on. <laughs> well, you're like 30 what weeks pregnant right now. <laughs> right. A little late for that conversation. (laughs) So I had actually emailed 
the midwives of uh, the, gosh, Ina May Gaskins. What is that? Their little... Um, At the farm? Yeah, I messaged them and told them my situation. And they had kind of already told me the same thing. They said big babies are kind of hard to get through a platyploid pelvis. So try, you know, just try your hardest not to gain a ton of weight. So I had already been kind of working on that, just eating really healthy. So I, uh, throughout that pregnancy, I only gained 25 pounds. So that was good. I did chiropractor care, but uh, it wasn't with a uh, certified, I can't remember what it's called. Um, Webster. Yeah, Webster uh, chiropractor. It was just a local chiropractor. I did go to a chiropractor up north that was Webster certified for one appointment. And he saw all the surgeries that I had had. And he was said, wow, you're a fan of the knife, aren't you? Oh. And I was like, um, not really. Oh, my really. goodness. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. So, yeah, around 37 weeks, I started getting prodromal labor, which with my first, I didn't have any kind of Braxton Hicks or early labor or anything. So I was like, wow, I'm going to go into labor soon. And of course I didn't Um, (laughs) just like every night I started having like kind of consistent contractions. So around 40 weeks on my due date, I started having consistent labor. They, it was 10 minutes apart. It wasn't like very strong, but it was the longest that it had lasted. So I, Decided to call my husband. I was not going to tell him that I was in labor because he is so anxious. Like, just making that drive and doing everything made him so anxious. He was even like, are you sure that you even want me there? (laughs) Because I'm just (laughs) such an anxious wreck. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, I just told him to bring home food because I didn't want to make dinner in labor. And... So he got there, he got home, we ate, and he could just kind of tell something was up. And so finally I told him I thought that I was in labor, and I just didn't know if if we should head out or if we should just go to sleep or what. So I told him that, and he was like, well, I'm not going to sleep after that, so you can sleep if you want to, but I'm up. (laughs) So... I laid down for a little while and I couldn't sleep and the contractions got a little bit stronger. So around 10 or 11 PM, he took my son to uh, my in-laws and I like cried because he took him. I like am such an attachment parent. I did not want him to take my son (laughs) and we headed on our drive Um, My contractions at that point weren't, um, like, extremely strong, but I kind of had to, like, stop and think through each one, and I didn't really want to talk through them, but I could if I wanted to. We listened to a podcast on our way up. So when we got up north, I needed to pee really bad, and I told my husband, so at this point it was, like, midnight maybe oh no we left around we left the valley around midnight so it was around two in the morning so he pulled over in spanish fork and there is nowhere open 
in Spanish Fork at two in the morning. So yeah. he's driving around <laughs> crazy. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, we're going to get pulled over. Like, I really don't like, I don't need to pee bad enough that we're, we should get pulled over. And so we saw a cop and I was like, okay, we're being pulled over for sure. <laughs> and my crazy husband like pulled in front of the cop and turned on his hazard lights and rolled down his window and like thinking that the cop would roll down his window and talk to him but he didn't he like turned on his lights and pulled us over and my husband when he came to the uh window my husband was like my wife is in labor and she needs to use the bathroom so bad we can't find anywhere to go to the bathroom oh my god at this point i was like i'm going to kill you yes (laughs) And so the cop told us where we could go and we tried both of the places he told us and they were both closed. So I was like, just go to American Fork. I can hold it. I don't care. So we finally found a place to go to the bathroom American Fork and my like whole stomach like dropped down because I had that much pee in me. Yeah, that that full bladder can keep that baby right hanging out up there. (laughs) Yeah. And the uh, gas station attendant, um, my husband was talking to him, and he gave him a free cigar, a celebratory cigar to smoke after. (laughs) Oh, that's sweet. (laughs) Yeah. So we uh, went and got food because I told my husband that they wouldn't let us eat in the hospital. And then we went to the hospital, and we took our stuff up to the doors, and I just, like, clenched up. I was like, oh my gosh, I do not want to be here. I do not want to be trapped in those doors. So we just left our bags kind of by the door and went and walked around the hospital. So it was probably like, I don't know, three or four in the morning. We walked around the hospital for an hour or so. I just had to like stop and lean over on the wall and shake my hips with every contraction. And then finally we went up to be admitted I was just really feeling like I could use like a shower or to rest. So she checked me and she was like, yeah, you're a one, maybe a two. Oh, and I, yeah, I felt so defeated. Oh my goodness. You're yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, I felt like so defeated because with my first, I came in at a four. So I kind of expected to at least be there. And she was like, so what we can do is you can stay here for an hour. And if you progress, you know, you have to be at least like almost a five for us to admit you. So we did that. And my husband slept on the floor. And after the hour had passed, she came in and she was like, so are you feeling contractions? And I was like, "Um, yeah. (laughs) And I guess the monitor hadn't been hooked up onto my stomach right, so they saw no contractions oh, the whole time I gosh. was there. Oh. Yeah. So she checked me again, and she was like, yeah, you're the same. And I was just feeling really defeated. And she told me on her way out, she said, I hope you go into labor soon. And I wanted oh to gosh. kill her. I was like, are you oh, serious? My gosh. That is awful. Yeah. After you just drawn so much, driven so much, and then to go through all of that, oh, I can't believe she had the nerve to say that. Oh my god! I know. 
I just gave her like a sarcastic like, uh, thanks. <laughs> and so we got into the car. We were going to head to a hotel. And I had a breakdown. Like, I just started crying. And I was like, if it's going to be like this, I just want the C-section. I was like, I don't know what to do, you know. And my husband was like, it's going to be okay. Like, you really want this. Like, you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Let's go get some sleep. And, you know, we'll be all right. So we got to the hotel. And this whole time, like, I had been just shaking, like, I don't know why I get the shakes just super, super bad in labor. So um, my husband lay down and I got into the shower. And the shower just picked up my contractions so much. Like it felt really good through the contractions, but everything just started to progress really fast. Um, I started to lose my mucus plug. I got to like the point where I was like, I don't think I can get out of this shower. Like, I don't know what is, how I'm going to leave the shower. <laughs> Hotel shower, baby, anyone? <laughs> yeah. So I tried to get, after like an hour or two, I think it was two hours of being in the shower. Thank goodness for like hotel uh, water heaters. I tried to get into the bed with my husband and that was like the worst mistake ever. Like it felt so miserable. I couldn't even get into the sheets. I just got right back into the shower. But that woke up my husband. And he comes in and he's like, uh, babe, this is getting kind of serious. And I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> no kidding. So he started packing everything up. He came in to like get me dressed and get me out of there. And I was like, um, no, we're not going to leave. Uh, we're just going to have to have the baby here. <laughs> and he was like uh no way is that gonna happen come on let's go <laughs> that's like his worst nightmare um <laughs> my husband's too he's like I don't care where you give birth you just have to make sure I'm not the only one in the room <laughs> yeah he like is petrified of home birth anyways that's like a whole nother argument <laughs> so by then my contractions were like right on top of each other so like walking before we like went out into the hallway and our room was like the very last room. So it was like right next to the doors outside. So I had a contraction in the um, hotel room in the hallway and then on our, on, um, right as soon as we got outside. Oh. And um, I told my husband in the hallway, I was like, I'm getting the epidural and don't you dare try to stop me. <laughs> She so was like, okay. So we went outside and when I had that contraction, there was like a bunch of people all standing outside watching and I was a labor lamb, so I didn't even notice or care. So my husband tries to get me in the passenger seat. He like opens up the door and I just shook my head and like pointed to the back seat. And he's like, well, there's a bunch of stuff back there. And he like opens up the door and I just climbed in on top of all this stuff and just laid down on top of it. So we were staying in Thanksgiving mm. Point, and so driving to American Fork, I don't know if you guys remember this construction that was going on, but it was the worst construction yeah. ever. Seriously, it's still going on, in case you wanted to know. It's oh, just, I'm sure. <laughs> the roads just curl different ways. <laughs> it was awful. So, and my husband was just driving crazy because he is super anxious and he thought I was going to have the baby in the car. So he was freaking out. 
and it was awful. It was like the worst part ever, but thank goodness my contractions slowed down. So I only had like three contractions the whole time driving. So it wasn't too bad. Through my whole laboring with her, my contractions like sped up or slowed down, like depending on what was happening, which was kind of interesting. So we got to the hospital and they checked me and I was, they said like a four and a half, maybe a five. So they admitted us. I told them, I was like, I don't know what I have to do to get on the list for the epidural, but put me on it. And they're like, okay, okay. Put me on the list. <laughs> they're like, um, so the, the anesthesiologist is doing a C-section right now. So it's probably going to be a couple hours. And then I was like, oh my gosh. So the ER anesthesiologist actually came up and did my epidural for me, which I was actually really thankful for. So after I got the epidural, the nurse told me that if I laid on my side immediately, that it wouldn't take evenly. So she said that I needed to wait at least an hour to lay on my side and do the peanut ball. So I waited that hour. It might have been like a little bit more. And they checked me and they said I was complete. So I was super excited about that. Yeah. So yeah, I was kind of like in disbelief. She was like, oh yeah, you're complete. And I was like, complete? Like complete, complete? <laughs> like 10 complete? Yeah, I was like, like 10 centimeters? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. And she was like, well, you have like a really bulgy water bag. Um, I think we should break it. And I was like really le- reluctant to do that. Just like anything that they wanted to do. I asked them like a hundred different questions, which they were awesome with. So finally, I agreed to do that. And then after that, they said that I had just like a little bit of a lip. So they said that we were just going to wait like a couple hours and check me again. So I did the peanut ball for that time. And I slept, which was really good. And then they checked me again. And I, they said that I was good and I could start pushing if I wanted to. So I was really nervous and I just thought that like any second something could go wrong and they were going to take me off to the C-section. So I was like, no, I don't think I'm ready. Can we just labor down for a while? And so she agreed and she said, just tell me when you feel like you're, you need to push. So she came back like an hour later and I was like, I'm still not ready. So she said, okay, I'm going to go like assist in a C-section. So I'll be back in like two hours and then we'll start pushing. So when she came back, I agreed to start pushing. The only problem then was I had thought to keep my epidural working, I thought I had to keep pushing the button. So my... um, Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So when they first gave me the epidural, it was great. Like it was just, it, it was just enough to take the edge off, but I could still move my legs and stuff and I could still feel the contractions. But by then... I like was completely numb. Like I couldn't even move my legs or anything. So they had to, um, they didn't, I don't think they turned off the epidural, but they just um, slowed it down a lot. So we started pushing. I pushed for maybe like an hour and then we started to see the head. I did not believe that I was going to get my V back. Even when I saw the baby's head, I just, it was in so much disbelief that it was really going to happen. 
And I just love pushing. It was awesome. Even though I was like really numb, it just felt so good. It was like, I finally got to fight for my feedback. Yes. It just felt <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So she, I pushed her out and it was awesome. She went immediately to me. We did skin to skin. I don't know if you guys saw my picture, but I was just ugly crying. I, I saw was, it. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. I was just like high. Like I was shaking. It just was amazing. Nobody even touched my baby for like an hour, maybe even more. She just stayed right on me. We did skin to skin and breastfeeding immediately. And I love the American Fork Hospital. It's awesome. They're like really uh, naturally minded. I, for the most part, I like the nurses and it was awesome. The only thing that I really didn't like about it was they gave me Pitocin afterwards without telling me. So they just like put it into my IV and I was like, oh, what was that? And they're like, oh, it's Pitocin. You have to have it. Yeah, that's pretty standard. Yeah, very anymore. common. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was, I just, I was like, you know, why couldn't you tell me that before you just did it? Which they should. You know, they like everyone. Anything that's going inside of your body, you should be told what's happening. But right, I mean, there's a there's an episode on Doctor Stu and Doctor Stu's podcast. They talked about it, and a nurse wrote in because they were talking about this very topic and a nurse wrote to them and said, you know, I've never even thought about it. Never. Like I just do it. And now that like they pointed it out, she's like, I'm totally going to think about this. Like I right. need to ask, like it's just their routine. It's what they do. Cause it's so standard, but um, yeah, they should be asking for sure. Oh yeah. So um, one little thing that I forgot that I'm going to add in really fast so I had a moment like before, before I, before I met with my the American Fork midwives, and I just had a, like this moment where I was like, everybody wants me to have a C-section. Like it would be so much easier if I just gave in and just had the C-section. But then I was like, you know, would that really be what I want? And yes, it would be easier, but would that be the right thing for me and for my baby? And I just right then I decided, you know, what, I'm going to fight for this feedback. Like no matter what I have to do, it's going to happen. I'm, you know, I'm going to make myself a priority. I have to make myself and my baby a priority. And I never looked back after that. Oh, I love that. Good for you. Yeah. Thanks. So proud of you. Very proud of Thank you. Thank you. It's yeah, a good I was like, high for like six weeks like anytime I just thought about it I just got like all bubbly and excited (laughs) and it was awesome like I don't know why people do drugs when you could just have a vaginal birth (laughs) (laughs) I totally feel like I could I'm like I would have a baby once a week if I didn't have to care for a newborn afterwards (laughs) yeah and like that's the thing is when you're in labor you're like oh my gosh I'm never doing this again and then like right after you're like wow, I want to do this again, like, right now. I know. Right? My husband's like, do you not remember? I'm like, oh, I remember. He's like, no, clearly you don't. 
Clearly. Like, yeah. Clearly. <laughs> no, I mean, I do. And he's like, no, you really don't remember. <laughs> Rick doesn't want another baby. <laughs> but Megan would do it again. <laughs> would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> do surrogacy oh. or something. Right? I have. Yes, like- Megan, you should. <laughs> Man, we My- suck. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> My cousin is um, pondering that, and I'm just like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm strong enough to do that. I w- it would be I hard. I would do it, but my husband is like, no, there's no way you're doing no that. No way. <laughs> my yeah. husband, like, threw the foot down there, too. And, you know, like, there's something to be said about, you know, being a woman and standing up for yourself, even if your husband doesn't particularly like something about how you want to birth, but... You know, he has to deal with me for nine months when I'm pregnant. So, you know, his vote kind of matters in that regard. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, And I kind of like, I've kind of had that problem with like, because now I'm like, I want home birth. And my husband is like, no, 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 no way you're having a home birth. And I'm having like a struggle because if I ask, for advice from like online I even asked on the community and women are like well it's your body it's your birth like you get to pick what you want to do and I'm like well obviously I do but I also want my husband to be a part of this right with me. you want to take into consideration his feelings right. too yeah yeah because if he's yeah. all worked up in the birth space at your house because he doesn't feel comfortable there that stress is going to impose itself on you and you're yeah. going to feel that, and that could cause issues with the normal progression of labor. So, yeah, it's all right. You've got a while to warm him up to it. I know. And he he was like, oh, if you could get the same midwife who did your VBAC to come do a home birth, then you can have a home birth. And I'm like, well, she is a hospital midwife. She can't do home births. Idea. Um, I'm a student midwife. And you just wait a few years to have her next baby, and I will come down there and deliver your baby. How about that? That's where you go. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? No matter what, I definitely, I have to have a doula, you know, because I really feel like if I had a doula with my VBAC that I wouldn't have had to have the epidural. I just didn't have anybody coaching me through like my first. And I was like, I can't, we could hire either Julie or Megan and Julie was both of us training to be a midwife. Yeah. Megan <laughs> could be the doula and I could be the midwife and we could just come to your house. It yeah, would be the would best. Be perfect. Be the perfect okay. team. I just need to hurry up and get through my midwife training. Get on that, training. Julie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, like I'm like the ball's rolling. July, from July on, I've got, I'm birth assisting with several different midwives each month and I'm like, I'm, I'm moving. This is happening. That's so <laughs> exciting. I oh. love birth. Like I, it's amazing. Yeah. It's really great. Well, we don't have much time left, but before we go, I wanted to ask you two questions that you filled out in your form. And if it's okay, if you don't remember them, you can just make up new answers. We want to ask you, what is a secret lesson or something no one really talks about that you wish you would have known ahead of time when preparing for birth? Oh, I think so. The biggest one is just birth positioning. Mm -hmm. So I really think that that's why I ended up having a C-section. You know, I didn't know about like spinning babies. I didn't know about keeping your belly, uh, hammock you know always Mm -hmm. leaning forward with my v-back I just I was never on my back that whole pregnancy I always kept forward or to the side 
And the other thing is, is get a doula. I just really, honestly, I know that doulas are great when you have an epidural too, mm -hmm. but if you want to have a natural birth, you need that kind of support. And then one other thing is I think that every mother, every, um, yeah, I guess I should say mother, should learn how to safely bed share with their baby so that you don't fall asleep in unsafe positions with your baby. Awesome. What an awesome tip. Yeah, awesome. I love that. All right. And next is what is your best tip for someone preparing for VBAC? Okay, I guess I kind of said that already. No, um, you did. It's a different answer, though. Do you want can me to read what it? My answer is yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you said it can feel scary and hard to advocate for yourself and fight for the birth you deserve, but it is so necessary and so worth it. Oh yes, perfect. Yep. I just you have to make yourself a priority. I mothers are so used to just like sacrificing ourselves and just kind of like going with whatever is going to be the fastest and the easiest. And, but this is really important for you. It's really important for your baby. And it's a really good learning tip to just advocate for yourself, period. You know? Absolutely. All right, Megan, would you yes. add anything? No, I just, I just think those are awesome tips. And I obviously... As far as the doula, I obviously believe in a doula and a supportive team. And I am looking forward to one day, hopefully being on your team. Let's do it. <laughs> I love <laughs> plan. Like 2023. It's kind of like the aim. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen up. If you live in a rural area and that has a VBAC ban that you do not like and you want to fight, we've got a bunch of tips on our blog how to reverse feedback bans. There's a long list there that you can work hard and advocate for in your own community so that more hospitals will be supportive of parents who are attempting AVBAC, also known as a TOLAC, Trial of Labor After Cesarean. And we're actually going to link to that blog in the show notes so you can go and click there right now. And in the meantime, I've been wanting to go and talk with a specific midwife there about changing these hospital policies about VBAC bands down in your area, Becca. So one day we will get there, but for now we have to advocate and stand up for ourselves. Yes. I think they're really trying to get there. It's just, they said that they say that they're not allowed. So yeah, but they are. And we just have to teach them. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.